Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you do. If you'd find 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, we have just finished a series about when the follower of God falls. And uh, we've talked about how all of us struggle with sin. Uh, All of us can hit rock bottom. Uh, All of us can find ourselves in a place where we never thought we would be. Um, But if you remember the story of David, uh, David is not where he's supposed to be. He's out on the rooftop uh, in a season of war, but yet he is there. Uh, He sees Bathsheba. He brings her into his home. Uh, He uh, uh, then impregnates her, and um, she is with child. Uh, So in order to cover up that sin, he tries to bring her husband home. Uh, but her home husband will not go in and lay with her. Even though he tries to get her drunk, he, he tries to get him drunk, he tries to get him uh, to lose his moral compass, uh, but he still not will do that. And um, because of that, then David has him killed. And we finish up chapter 11 with Uriah being killed, um, Bathsheba mourning, and David bringing in her to his home, and then... Uh, it seems that all is well in the world. Uh, we looked last week about how everyone would have thought probably, oh, look how wonderful David is. He has brought this woman into his home. Look how wonderful it is. God has blessed them with a child. But even though everything appeared good on the outside, everything seemed the way it should, uh, inside David was being eaten alive. And I'm going to make a statement this morning, and it will not be very popular, and that is okay, because I have decided that I live with seven females, and as long as they like me, the rest of you can just get over it. Uh, If they don't like me, it's miserable for everyone. But uh, uh, the Bible makes it abundantly clear when you are saved, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God takes residence within you. And when you are living in sin as a Christian, the Spirit of God will always convict you. There is not a time in your life as a believer when the Spirit of God stops to convict you. You say, Jake, my sin doesn't bother me. My sin isn't something I'm worried about. One of two things has happened. One, you have never been born again. Or two, you have hardened your heart to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you are in a very dangerous place. You say, Jake, how do we know that? Because King David writes in the 32nd Psalm what he was going through through this whole period of time. While his wife was carrying this child, as she has this child, as all of the nation is enjoying a time of peace, and prosperity, everything looks for David as it is perfect from the outside looking in. But listen to what David writes in Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. If you would stand with me to a, for a reading of God's Word. It says this, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For in day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Salah. 
I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, don't miss this, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Pray with me. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would do what only He could do, convict, work, encourage. Lord, let the preaching of Your Word accomplish great things for Your glory. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I know I've kind of got out of order for our people upstairs, and I want to apologize about that, but I want to talk to you about a series on God has a plan to restore Because most of us think as David here, he is at rock bottom or he is at the mountaintop. And is God done with him? Because as people, when we look at other people and their failures and their sins and their struggles, let's be honest, we have no problem giving up on people. Most of the time we have no problem cutting people out of our lives that bother us. We have no problems just avoiding people like the plague. But I want you to know this. If you are a child of God, God has a plan to restore you if you will let Him. No matter how far you think you have fallen, no matter how broken you think you are, no matter how sinful you think your situation, no matter how hopeless it seems when you look around, I am here to tell you today that God has a plan to restore if you let him. I want to show you a couple pictures. Most of you know this or not, but I have an old pickup truck, and my father recently restored it for me. I did not do any of it pretty much. I had the COVID, and besides that, I am useless when it comes to pretty much everything. This is a picture at the very beginning. You see all that rust. It's all rotted out from the inside. And if you shut the door, you couldn't see it for the most part. It was covered until your children tried to get in your pickup truck and they would cut their legs and they would cry and your wife would be like, they've got to have tetanus shots. And I'm like, no, they're fine. It won't hurt them. And uh, and you see the second picture here. It's the process of it being restored, right? It doesn't look the same. There are new parts. There is primer. There is paint. And then the finished product is beauty, right? It's perfect in every sense and it is something I can now drive in public without people making fun of me. And I only put those three pictures because no one likes a show-off, all right? But I didn't do it, my dad did. And uh, I say that because many of you here today are like that first picture. Oh, on the outside, your marriage looks good, your finances look good, your kids look good. But if you were to open that door, if someone was to really see what things are like, there would be rust everywhere. There would be decay and rot and sin in your situation. But friends, I want you to know that the first picture doesn't have to be the last picture. You can drive all over Hamilton County and find good old rusted Chevy pickup trucks. Right? Above the fender well and cab corners and rocker panels. They're rusted everywhere. And friends, the only thing that keep those vehicles in the state that they're in, don't miss this, is that someone hasn't restored them yet. But guess whose choice it is? The owner of that truck. The owner of that truck. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a work truck. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they don't know how. 
But for whatever reason, it is in the shape that it is in because of the choice of the owner. And friends, this morning, if your life is that way, it is because of one reason. The person that you are has made that choice. Because God has a plan to restore if you'll let Him. And so here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I want to show you how God restores starts with the fact that God sends messengers to His people. Look here in chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. Tonight I want you, this morning, excuse me, I want you to see that God sent Nathan specifically to David with a message. And this morning I want you to know something. I do not believe that God tries to hide His purposes from us, hide His plans for us, that God sits in heaven and watches down and loves to see us confused and in disorder and disrepair because the Bible says that God is a God of order, that God has a purpose and a plan. But yet most of us would say, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know what God is trying to do in my life. I wish I could just know. And this morning I want you to know that it is not because of God that there is confusion in your life. There is not, it is not God's fault that there is confusion in your marriage. It is not God's fault that there is confusion in church. It is our fault. Because in David's life, God sent Nathan to him. You say, well, Jake, what does that look like in my life? Sometimes what you're doing this morning. I always hear people say, oh, stepped on my toes this morning. That is never my intent. Your feet are yours. You can walk on the bottom. I don't want to walk on the top. My preach, my desire is the Holy Spirit of God would deal with your heart, not your feet. Your heart, because that is where everything comes from. Desire and focus and motivation starts in the heart. And this morning you can say, well, my heart is clean, my heart is pure, I'm where God wants me to be. But friends, all of us need a message from the Lord. All of us need a word from the Lord. You say, well, Jake, I don't like your sermons, especially last week. I had a pastor friend that literally texted me Sunday afternoon after he watched the sermon and said, are you trying to run your people off? I said, no, not to my knowledge. But what the Word says is what they get. And I say that this morning because sometimes God's message is to encourage you. Sometimes God's messenger is sent to give you a hope of deliverance. Sometimes it is a message of judgment. Think about Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He was sent with a message of deliverance. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now don't miss this. Come now therefore, and I will send you 
to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God called Moses to go to his people with the message of deliverance. And friends, there are Sundays where you should be sitting here and the sermon might not be what you thought it was going to be, what you thought it should be, but yet the Lord uses it to encourage you, to show you what you need. In your Bible study time, I believe God's people have taken the Word of God and taken it for granted. We read it quickly. We read it in a hurry. We read it just to check it off our list. But if you will really get alone with God, and really just dive into His Word and get a pen and get a paper and take notes and find out what things mean, that God will speak to you and that God will use it to change your life and your marriage. Why? Because God has a message from you. I think it can happen in the songs that we sing. I believe that God is wanting to reach you. God is wanting to deal with you. God is wanting to work you with you. And sometimes He sends people into your life. Sometimes we see in Isaiah's case, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. You see, friends, God has appointments set for you so that you can hear from Him. And God will always show up for those appointments. The Bible says the Word of God never returns void. You might not like every sermon you've ever heard. You might think some of them are boring and long and the jokes are bad and all of those things. But there is never a time that when you are listening to the Word of God that there is not something that God wants you to hear. Same way in music. Same way in Sunday school. Same way in Bible study. And when you make a choice to skip those things whether it's your personal Bible study, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's a service, whether it's not listening to Christian music and listening to secular music. What you've said, God, is, I know you have a message for me. God, I know you have a word for me, but I really don't want it. Or I really don't need it. Think about Jesus. Jesus said this multiple times, but I will just reference three. In John chapter 4, starting in verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. In John chapter 5, starting in verse 30, it says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John chapter 6, verse 40, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. You see, you might not always want to hear from God. David wasn't looking to hear from God, but God knew he needed to. God knew that David was struggling, that David was being consumed by his sin that David was rotting from the inside out, even though no one else did. But don't miss this. David didn't go looking for a message. And he didn't go looking for a messenger. And friends, in the New Testament, we see that we are given the great commission to go to all the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. You're to go into your workplace. You're to go to your home. You're to go to your school, not waiting for people to seek you out with a message of hope, but taking a message of hope to them. 
You never know what that person is going through. You never know what that person is struggling with. You never know what an encouraging word, what a gospel presentation, what a, let me tell you what God's doing in my life might just do for them. I believe we have gotten quiet about the things of God. I believe we've gotten so terrified of facing opposition that we refuse to take opportunities. We have given up the fact that God just might be working in someone's heart, in someone's life, in someone's situation. And they're just waiting to hear from someone who could tell them that the mess that they're in doesn't have to define them. The brokenness that they are dealing with doesn't have to be their future. The sin and shame and regret that they are facing isn't who they are, but because of Jesus, everything can change. I appreciate that. But it's true. Second thing I want to show you is that not only does God... i only got two points this morning, so you're in for a treat, okay? Not only does God send and have a message for His people, God sends specific messages to His people. Now, the sermon can be applied generally most of the time. There's a general truth in almost every sermon, Bible teaching, Scripture reading that you will hear. But I believe that God's relationship with you is personal. It is a personal relationship you have with Him. And God knows just like He knew in David's life what David was going through, God knows what you are going through. And the word that He can give you is specific. It's not generic. It's not cheesy. It's not cliche. It is a message from heaven to you. Because look what it says there, and I'll just read all of verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his own bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Now, we're not going to look at the meaning of this and response of this today. But I want you to see here that this was specific. And if you understand what David had done, the significance of this, he says this man had one ewe lamb. This thing had ate with him. It had lived with him. It had been like one of his own children. It was precious to him. And the rich man could have had anything he wanted. He could have took anything he wanted. But yet when his time of need arose, took from the poor man. And now, this morning I say this to you, because sometimes God will send you a message to teach you. Sometimes God will send you a message to warn you. Sometimes God will send you a message that is one that you need of encouragement. But today I ask you this simple question. Are you willing to listen? Am I willing to listen? 
Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 5 as we see what the Bible says about Him. And seeing the multitudes, in chapter 5, verse 1, He went up on the mountain, and when He was seated, His disciples came to Him. Then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying... And if you're familiar with everything that comes after in chapter 5, some of the most important teachings in all of the Word of God. You see, this morning, God wants you to know. God wants you to learn. God wants you to grow. God wants you to understand Him more. God wants you to trust Him more. God wants you to rely on Him. God doesn't just want you to come here and check an hour off of your week and find a comfortable seat and to like the people that you're sitting next to. No, when you wake up on Sunday morning, when you get into the Word of God, when you come to church, you need to come saying, Lord, I am ready. God, I want to hear from You. God, I want to know You more. God, I want to love You more. God, I believe that You have a word for me. God, I believe that You have a message for me. God, I believe You have something for me that will change who I am and change my life and change my marriage. And God, leave me different the way You found me. You have to believe that. You say, well, Jake, I've listened to enough of your sermons and that's just not the way it goes. Well, I want you to know that that can be partly me. A pastor is supposed to preach. A pastor is supposed to study. A pastor is supposed to pray. A pastor is supposed to seek God's face and to seek what He wants for you. That's why I preach verse by verse, word by word, even the stuff that I don't want to. Why? Because I believe it's how you can hear from Him. But friends, part of it is on you to prepare your heart, to be ready, to be willing, to be open to understand the Spirit of God is at work. What we do here is not a meeting like any other. We don't meet here together like the Kiwanis or the Rotarians or any other group. We meet here with the simple focus and simple task of an encountering a living God. We come here to have spiritual worship. To worship in spirit and in truth. And if the Spirit of God does not do it, Nothing gets done. And for too long we've tried to put God in a box. We've tried to use these prescribed methods and these prescribed sermons and these nonsense that says this. And what we need to return to is an understanding that we serve a God who wants to speak to us, who wants to work in our life, who wants to change who we are. And we are willing, God. We are willing to let Your Spirit work in us and to work in our marriage. Sometimes the Word comes because we're in sin. Listen to what Jeremiah said in the 18th chapter starting in verse 5. Then the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak, concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. But don't miss this. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring about it. And the instance I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, 
then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. I don't know how God works out His purposes and plans. I believe He's sovereign. I believe He's in control. But what it says right there is if God says, I'm going to judge you and you repent, then He will relent. And if God says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to take care of you, if we lose our way and abandon Him, God says, no, I won't. And friends, this morning that is a great message of hope. But it's also a great warning. Because this morning if you're living in sin, if you're running from God, if you are broken and you're a mess and things are not where they should be, today if you'll just turn, you'll come to Him. He can work. Friends, for us that have been in church a long time, those who seem to have it figured out, those who would check all the boxes of being a great Baptist or a great whatever you label yourself as, it is a warning that God does not bless best on yesterday's obedience. God does not bless best on yesterday's faithfulness. God works in our lives based on our response today. Think about Jesus in His earthly ministry, and this is the last thing that I have for you this morning. Not a point, but a conclusion. When Jesus began His ministry, His message was this. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, friends, the message that we have is not a popular one. It is a message that tells the world that they are sinners. You can explain sin. You can try to justify sin. You can try to embrace sin. You can try to hide sin. But Jesus said, repent. And friends, that is the message that God sends us on. And the mission that He has given us is to tell a lost and sinful world, repent. But not just turn. Don't just abandon the way that you are, but turn to Him. The gospel message that Jesus Christ loved us so much that He died upon the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again. And friends, today, that if you will confess your sins, turn from your wicked ways, believe upon Him, confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you shall be saved. It's the message that we have. You say, well, preacher, I'm glad I've been saved a long time. I'm in church. This message is still the same. Repent. Because believer, we can all fall into sin. We can all get complacent in our walk with God. Some of you are already thinking, well, Jake, that's a great sermon and I'm blessed and I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. But you know what? My life is pretty good. I mean, my family's healthy. We get to do what we want, go where we want. We got enough money in the bank. We're, you know, things are pretty good. We're, we're, we're living the American dream. But friends, I want to ask you a question. Are you really hearing from God? Are you really in a relationship with Him that says, God, I know you and I want from you, and God, I know what you want from me, and God, I'm growing, and I am knowing, and I am showing. Are you here today, and you're just a Baptist? 
I'm a Baptist through and through. I'll be a Baptist as long as Baptists don't lose their mind. But friends, what I really want is a relationship with Him. I want a real relationship with Him. One that's daily growing. Daily impacting my life. Daily God is using me to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so while I'm thankful for the opportunity to believe that God sent me to you in this place, I want God to send me all over. I want God to use me when He sends me to Food Park. I want God to use me when He sends me to Ides. I want God to use me when He sends me to Foxy's, which I see the Stoudemire's there a lot too. Wherever God sends you, can you honestly say, God, I'm going there believing that somebody needs you. Somebody needs to hear from you. And it can free something as simple and as encouraging as I am praying for you. You'll be surprised how people will tell you their problems. Not all of them because we all like to whitewash it. But the encouraging word that you can give someone. Recently we were sitting in a restaurant, myself and someone, and I can't think who it was. And a lady quoted some scripture. And I'm like, I don't think that's in the Bible. That don't quite sound right. I'm like, man, I really feel dumb. This lady's talking about something in the Bible, and I don't know it. Not that I have the whole Bible memorized by any shape, form, or fashion, but usually you can kind of get it close. And she's like, well, I was raised in a different religion, and it was a, a Bible, but it had some other stuff in it. And I was like, ah, now I don't feel so dumb. And so we just kind of left it at that. And the next day when I went back, because I love to eat, love to, love to build the temple, and... Um, I said, uh, I said, I just would like, because it was private and I didn't want to embarrass her. I said, hey, I just want you to know that uh, I, I, we were raised differently. And the scriptures you're talking about are not the same scriptures that I worship. And these are some of the differences about what we believe about Jesus and why it matters. And well, she didn't get saved right there, as you can tell, because we don't have a baptism today. But it was an opportunity with a message of hope. You'll never know how that coworker that you're working next to's marriage might be miserable. How they literally can't stand the person they live with or they're going through a touched patch. And you just say, you know, God is faithful. If you'll love Jesus and she'll love Jesus, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. There's nothing that God cannot do. Friends, I ask you this question. Do you want to hear from God, but do you also want to be sent by God? We live in a culture that loves to take, loves to receive, loves to get. But the church is exactly the opposite. Not only should we want to hear from God, we should want others to hear about the God that we serve and that God has a word for them. So this morning, if you're here and you're lost, I want you to know that Jesus will save you. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. If you're here today and you're saved and you have been rotting from the inside out, you say, well, Jake, I don't have any major sins, no big sins, nothing I would you know, consider that's just really defying God, but I ask you, have you grown cold? These altars are for you. Maybe today it's not you, but it's someone in your life. Christian, I believe that God's people ought to be on the altar all of the time begging God to save lost people. Even if you're not at the altar for yourself, there are lost people dying around you daily. Children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. And I believe God still hears the prayer of His people.
Maybe it's something totally different this morning. You just want to thank God because He didn't let you rot forever. That He came and dealt with you. Every time I really get discouraged, and like, God, I'm done, I'm quitting, God, I, I'm, 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 I'm fed up with it. He sends someone with a word. And as soon as they start talking, I tell myself, I know I ain't going to like this. I know this is not what I want to hear, but it's what I need to hear. Why? Because God loves you too much to let you ruin what He's given you. Pray with me as you stand. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. God, I pray today that You have spoken through Your sinful and wicked messenger. God, I pray that You would forgive me of anything in my heart or life that has grieved Your Spirit, quenched Your Spirit. And today, God, that Your Spirit would pour out in this place. God, that we would see an anointing, a fresh touch, a move, God, for Your glory. God, I pray that You would speak and work in the deepest and darkest places of our hearts, Father, to change who we are. God, I pray that You'd humble us. But God, remind us that You have a plan to restore us. That the mess we're in, the brokenness that we face, does not have to define our future. God, thank You for Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that You would convict right now those who are lost, and today they would be saved. Father, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.